0: Welcome to the Financial Leverage Point, hosted by John Iannucci, founder and CEO of ILG Private Wealth. In this podcast, we dive deep into the world of financially successful families. We offer candid advice on how to navigate the maze of strategies and products designed to protect, grow, and transition your wealth to your family, friends, and the causes you care deeply about. Join John and his guest experts as they unveil the crucial elements of comprehensive tax, estate, business succession, and financial planning. Strategies designed to give you sleep through the night confidence while maintaining a steady flow of wealth for you and your heirs. In his first episode, Johnny
1: Iannucci shared his story and the core values that have supported his careers both as a lawyer and now as a financial advisor. This episode, we will talk about his clients. I'm Patrice Sacora. John, some financial advisors simply say, Oh, I focus on retirees. Mm-hmm. Please tell us about your clients.
2: Well, you know, Patrice, we've learned that it's really important uh, to focus on clients where there's a great mutual fit. And what we've learned is based upon our decades of experience in representing certain types of clients that. There are really three types of clients generally, broadly speaking, that we like to focus on. Um, One you hear a lot about in financial services, which is successful business owners. Uh, The second one, of course, is highly compensated executives within companies that they don't necessarily own or within publicly traded companies, for instance. And then second um, is what we call women of sudden wealth, which I can explain to you. But those are the three general categories that we really focus on when it comes to uh, ideal clients for ILG private wealth.
1: All right, John, when you say successful business owners, what does that mean to you?
2: Well, you know, I think, Patrice, we we have a tendency to define a successful business owner a little bit more broadly than when you might expect. So, for instance, you know, a, a surgeon that has an independent medical practice and is not a hospital employee is, in our books, a very successful business owner. Um, and in fact, many of our clients are surgeons and physicians that have outside related businesses where they may have some interest in various medical medical companies, um, pharmaceutical companies. And so they, they are successful business owners. Additionally, something like a partner in a law firm or a partner in a CPA firm, a family that has a successful real estate business, or maybe a family that owns a successful manufacturing concern. Those are all successful business owners to us. And finally, you know, we 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 define successful business owners to include professional athletes because if you know anything about professional athletes, they are a business unto themselves. Mm-hmm. And so um that's kind of how we categorize successful business owners.
1: All right, and then your second category is highly compensated executives, which mm-hmm. makes sense, but mm-hmm. then you have women of sudden wealth.
2: Right. What is that? Right. So what we found is that oftentimes, um, because of circumstances, life circumstances, it may be the death of a spouse, it may be the result of a divorce. We have women who suddenly are responsible for managing millions of dollars of investable assets, maybe a family business, for instance, on a number of occasions where the patriarch of a business has died suddenly through the estate plan. That woman is now responsible not only for investing their managing their investable assets, but also managing that successful business. They can be a recipient of a very large life insurance policy. And because that wasn't their focus during the marriage, um, they're simply at a loss to, to to realize where to begin. And they recognize that those resources oftentimes, you know, have to last them for the rest of their life. And um, you know they they really don't understand what their options are with respect to those those investments, how to manage them, how to transition a successful business, for instance, to successive generations. so that's what we mean when we say women of sudden wealth.
1: all right, so those are your three types of clients, successful yes. business owners, highly compensated executives, and women of sudden wealth right so when a new prospect comes to see you what what why should they why should they work with you? What separates you from? Gosh knows all the other brokers, agents, and advisors right. out there.
2: Right, right. We, we've learned over the years that to have a successful long-term relationship, the vetting process that should take place is a mutual vetting process. Right. We're trying to determine uh, are we right for the client, and the client is is doing going through that same process. But simultaneously, we're trying to determine if that client is right for us. Mm. It's got to be a mutually beneficial good fit. Otherwise, it's not going to be a relationship for very long. And so to understand that, what we do is we take our clients through two no commitment, right fit meetings. In those right fit meetings, it's a proprietary process that we've developed over the years to determine if we're right for one another.
1: What does it look like from your side of the table?
2: So we're asking in those meetings, prospects, a very significant series of questions, proprietary questions that we designed to help us understand that family's dreams, their hopes and aspirations for the future. We don't simply ask about their investments. We don't simply ask about risk tolerance and historic returns. We really want to understand at a core level what that prospect hopes to achieve with their combined wealth. It's not just about, hey, we can manage your investments, and here's what we're going to charge you, and here's our historic returns. We want to get to know that client at a much deeper level to understand if we're a right fit for that client.
1: Now, what I admire about this process, yes, you want to get to know the the potential client, Mm -hmm. but you want that potential client to get to know you. And a lot of advisors, they don't necessarily encourage that
2: that's right that's right you know i i think that the industry as a whole teaches you when you're coming up in the industry to pretty much take anybody who has a pulse and a reasonable <laughs> yes. amount of investments that you can manage and we realize that just leads to a bad r- relationship and so we really do want to understand what that client wants and we really want th- the client to understand what our core value is. And if there's a good mix, if there's a good blend of those core values, do they mesh? And can we work toward a mutually agreeable result for the client?
1: All right. That that sounds pretty, you know, good status quo. I love to talk, but what questions should they be asking?
2: You know, I, I think that for successful families, particularly successful families who have um, successful businesses, you know, we we suggest that that client ask these questions. You know, does your advisor, does your current advisor, for instance, have the skills and expertise to help preserve, protect, and grow your wealth? And I mean their combined wealth, not just their investable assets. You know, do they have that expertise to help them with their real estate investments or with their family business? Do they have the expertise to for instance, work with a professional athlete on all the endorsement contracts that they may be faced with. So it's much, much more than just managing those stocks and bonds that a client may have. The second question we typically suggest they ask is, you know, how do I make certain that my assets don't lose value when transitioning to future generations? I think most of the prospects that come to us have very serious concerns about future Increases in tax rates. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that when when asked, when FINRA was asked what the most significant risk is to a client's successful retirement, instead of coming out with, well, we think market volatility, because FINRA is tasked with managing and policing broker dealers, that's not what they said at all. They said the most significant risk to successful retirement is actually taxation. And so our clients come to us knowing that not only is it important to have a tax management strategy in place during their lifetime, but it's also extremely important to have a tax plan in place that helps transition their wealth to multiple successive generations without losing a very significant portion of that wealth to taxation. You know, we suggest that clients, for instance, or prospects ask their current advisor, you know, should I consider the use of a trust or several trusts, you know, in regard to my financial retirement or estate plan? And if so, should they be revocable, irrevocable? Should they be intentionally defective? Should they be a slat, a grat? You know, if if you ask that question to your current advisor and they get that glassy-eyed look, or if they say, I have to ask someone, or I need to make a call, or I'll get back to you on that, that's a telltale sign that they don't have the experience, they don't have the expertise. And in fact, if they're with a large broker-dealer, they're not even permitted to give you that kind of advice. Next, we ask them, you know, is it possible? Ask your advisor if they know, is it possible to structure a life insurance policy differently using the same annual premium and the same initial death benefit, depending upon what my intended use of that policy is? Most people don't understand that life insurance policies are very complex financial instruments, and just because you're paying a certain amount in premium annually, and just because you have a certain death benefit up front, those policies can be structured very differently depending upon what your intended use of that p- product is.
1: Hmm.
2: Additionally, we ask them that they should. We suggest to them that they ask, "How do I? How? How can I be certain?" that my children are are treated fairly when only one of them wants to continue my successful business. You know, we've learned a long time ago that fair isn't always equal. One of the True. worst mistakes that a successful business owner can can make is actually dividing up his successful business amongst his children when only a few of them work in the business and some of them don't. when a successful business owner wants to sell their business for the most amount of money, ask your advisor. I understand there are eight ways to do it. There are eight ways that I can actually exit my business, which approach is right for me and which situation would work to minimize my taxes and achieve my legacy goals. Again, if you get that, that, that deer in the headlights, look from, from your advisor, you know, they don't have the experience. They don't have the expertise to do that. In Southwest Florida, for instance, a number of prospects come to us owning significant rental real estate. They come to us and say, should I continue to own this real estate at this point? Maybe they've aged up. Maybe they were actually acting as the landlord and managing that property. And at this point, they're tired of that. It's difficult. It takes a lot of work. They get calls in the middle of the night. They simply don't want to be the landlord anymore, right? And so they're saying to me, how can I exit this significant investment in real estate and not lose most of that profit to taxation. Again, taxation comes up again and having real significant decades worth of experience in a tax management plan is critical to our client success.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I would suggest that you ask a current advisor if they can review your stack of current estate planning documents. It's not unusual for my clients to come in with a stack that's four inches thick of estate planning documents and ask me if they're covered because they haven't the faintest idea what those documents say, what they mean, what they do when they die. And they want to know, are they missing an important document or strategy, right? That, that FOMO, fear of missing out, is there an estate planning strategy that I'm missing out on? They simply don't have any idea. As sophisticated as they might be in business, they simply have no idea what those estate planning documents do.
1: Well, they can only know so much, and estate planning is is not an easy thing.
2: It's a very, very complex matter, particularly when you have a lot of different investments. And when you're trying to be fair to your children and your spouse, you know, it's a very complex process of making certain that happens while you still mitigate any unnecessary taxes. You know, we really do think that it's imperative to formulate and actively manage an annual tax management strategy. And notice I said annual tax management strategy. It's got to be reviewed. It must be reviewed on an annual basis. Because given the state of the US economy today, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that taxes have to be increased to pay down our federal debt. Look at what what we just went through in Uh increasing that, that debt ceiling, how much discord there was in Congress to get that ceiling raised. And, you know, clients want to know, can you give me that critical tax management advice and help manage that tax plan? It's interesting that when prospects come in and they have their statements from a different broker dealer or large bank, what I typically do is turn those statements over on the backside and read to them the fact that they are not permitted to give them any tax advice. It's spelled out on their statement. Wow. And then finally, I think one of the most important things our clients come to us about and say, they, they say, can you help me design the details of my estate plan or my business exit plan or my real estate liquidation strategy so that when I go to my legal counsel to have that documented, you know, they don't charge me an arm and a leg before they actually get around to drafting documents. Those are the 10 significant questions we think prospects should be asking not only of us, but also any other advisor they've been interviewing or working with
1: that is a great list john but do your potential clients first of all do they know these questions
2: they should ask and then two, are they embarrassed to ask them you know i i think initially they they don't know how to formulate the questions they have they have some concerns in their minds they have that that concern that wakes them up at 2 a.m they just don't know how to formulate the question. So when we walk through these 10 questions with them, you know, they realize, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I meant to ask. Yeah, that's what I need. That's the service I need to kind of give me that sleep through the night confidence. So I think initially they they don't know how to how to kind of describe those questions, but once we walk through them, it's um they, the light goes off. You know, you can see the light go off above their head where they're saying, that's what I needed. That's I need that as a part of my overall retirement estate exit plan.
1: And then are they pumped enough to then go back to their original advisor and say, I'm sorry, buddy, you couldn't do this for me. You can't answer these questions. I have to leave now.
2: It happens all the time. That's, that's precisely why many of our new clients come to us. They they recognize very quickly that their current advisor is not capable of providing with them them with that significant that expertise and that advice, and that's the really the driving factor that causes them to come to ILG Private Wealth.
1: After that meeting where you've gone through these questions with them, mm-hmm. what is the what is the attitude? Are they relieved? Are they, as I say, pumped? Are they uh, almost? Um, Not embarrassed, but, oh, why didn't I know those things?
2: Well, you know, sometimes that does help it happen. You know, when, when you have successful families, oftentimes there's someone in the family that has been driving this growth in their wealth. It may be their business. It may be the way they've invested in real estate or developed real estate. Sometimes it's a team effort between spouses. But I will tell you that many of those people have that alpha personality and they like being in charge and they like feeling like they're in charge. And so there is some initial embarrassment that they didn't know they should be asking these questions. You know, it's it's one thing to know about a deficiency in your plan and struggle to try and fill that gap. It's another thing to not know what you don't know. Sure. And that is embarrassing. But once we have this conversation and they mm-hmm. recognize how important that particular el- element is to their overall planning process, then they do get pumped up. Then they do get agitated that they haven't been given that advice in the past, and they realize that they've been sold short when it comes to true financial planning.
1: Are they surprised that a financial advisor is more than just managing stocks and
2: bonds? They are. They are. It's. It's. You know, they they've they've always wanted that confidant. They've wanted that right hand person to be able to lean on. And they thought they could get that through an attorney or a CPA, through their investment advisor or broker, and they never got it. They never got that one person that could work with them by their side as a partner, manage sometimes all of those other relationships that they've got, interpret those relationships, coordinate those relationships, because oftentimes those other professionals are giving advice in a very narrow silo without interacting with one another. Right. So having somebody kind of a chief operating officer on their side that not only has the expertise to speak at those speak with those other advisors at a very high level, interpret what they're saying, but also coordinate those efforts between the advisors to make certain that you have a comprehensive integrated plan designed to protect and grow and and certainly transition your assets with little or no reduction in value.
1: John, how long does this process usually take?
2: So the vetting process itself is typically two 90-minute meetings. So that's where we really get to understand one another. They get to know us a lot better. We get to exchange ideas about who we are and how we work. You know, I really use that process to determine why they might be interested in interviewing me. Are they just looking for better returns and a less expensive fee? You know, I really want to understand why they might be coming to me and what, is it, what it is about ILG Private Wealth that may have attracted them to us in the beginning. But we through those two 90-minute meetings, we get to know as much as we can about about those prospects. But in between those two meetings, and we typically space those meetings out by two weeks, because in between the two meetings, we're doing a lot of work. We ask those prospects to come in with a lot of information on the first meeting, We analyze that information in between meetings. We get to know them a little bit better um, by the time we go through the second meeting. But in that second meeting, we also identify for them so that they know whether they come with us or they go back to their current advisor. We identify the gaps in their current plan and we provide them with that information. We talk to them about how we would address those gaps and what it's like to work with us, what the mutual commitment is. Because to work with ILG Private Wealth, there is a mutual commitment. You know, This is not a set it and forget it planning process. There's work for them to do, and there's a lot of work for us to do. So that's kind of the process. And then the planning process afterwards, once they engage, once they move their assets to ILG Private Wealth, we start working together. The first 90 days are where we really formulate this specialized plan designed specifically for that family to address their goals.
1: We've covered so much here, John. It's been a very good discussion. Is there something that you did not mention that you want to make sure you do before we wrap up?
2: Yeah, I I think it's very important for anybody who's interested in talking to us to understand this is really a mutual vetting process. In order to have a great long-term relationship with an advisor, a trusted advisor at that level, a true fiduciary that's working with you on your family's goals it should be a mutual vetting process they should they should be vetting us as financial advisors as their confidant as their right hand person to help them with all of these things but they should also understand that we're vetting them as well mm-hmm. we're making certain that we're on the right page because it, if their goals are distinctly different than our core values then we'll know that we'll provide them with the reports that we just discussed and continue to be friends, but we'll let them know that we're not the right advisor for them.
1: All right. Well, John, how can listeners reach you?
2: Well, it's pretty easy. I think the easiest way is to go to our website. We have a very simple URL to get in touch with us. It's wecanhelpyou.com. And on that website, you'll see on the right-hand corner, top right-hand corner, uh, an opportunity to set up either a call or a meeting with me to come in and, and discuss anything that's on their minds and determine how we can help.
1: Well, listener, follow this podcast. That way you'll learn how you might protect your wealth and your family. And of course, share with those you care about. So thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Financial Leverage Point. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. To contact John, check out the show notes where you'll find his contact information and useful resources from today's episode. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of John Iannucci. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.